Now, um, a few, a couple of years ago, you remember at the last World Cup, do you remember the England team did uh, better than, than anyone was really expecting them to do? And um, it was Gareth Southgate, you know, the England manager, who was really the, you know, the person that everyone was talking about. It was like, wow, you know, Gareth Southgate, he sort of got a team uh, together and they've done really well. And I think what was most striking about, about Gareth Southgate, or at least, you know, for me, what was most striking about Gareth Southgate was the fact that he just seemed a fairly, you know, ordinary, but, you know, um, a kind of a decent kind of a guy. You know, that he, he was, um, you know, someone of integrity and um, someone who, you know, just did a good job and, you know, wasn't kind of bombastic or, um, you know, uh, wasn't got caught up in scandals or anything like that and anyway it, I think at that point that really made me think this is what's missing from a lot of public life at the moment is that so much of the time I think we have politicians who are um, you know morally dubious in in some respects at least and that um, you know that they are uh, not always people of integrity in in the biblical sense and this is why I think it's, uh, you know, how our leaders are, it really does matter, you know, and, and it's, this, it's the case with the church as well. You know, integrity is something which um, is, is really important, actually, in, in leadership, you know, leading by example, you know, not being someone who tells people to do one thing and then does another thing, but actually leads, you know, who, who practices what they preach, who says... And, and takes a, an active example who sets, um, you know, um, sets the tone for everything that goes on. That's the kind of leadership that the Bible commends. And that's the kind of leadership that we're going to look at in, in Titus. So um, Titus, as I said, it was written to a pastor called Titus who was in Crete. And we thought a little bit about Crete um, two weeks ago um, before the first, uh, first Wednesday. And uh, why is he in Crete? And Paul says, uh, well, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished uh, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So uh, Titus was there to appoint people in the town. Now, what, uh, what was an elder? What does Paul mean when he says elder? And uh, it's not someone who is physically older. Um, but rather someone who has that kind of position of responsibility in the church. And interestingly, the, the word that Paul uses, the Greek word here, is the word presbyter, which actually has sort of, um, over the process of years, become the word priest. And that's why in the Church of England we ordain priests, because it comes from this word presbyter, which means elder. And so it's really, you know, someone who's sort of a church a church leader, a pastor, you know, a Bible teacher. Um, that's what that's what um, Titus was um, was it was being um, expected to do by Paul. Now, church. This is um, something which is known as church polity, which is you know something which churches have disagreed with over the years. Exactly how many elders should you have in the church? Should you have one? Should you have? Should there be more than one? Should there be plural? You know who appoints them and so on. There have been disagreements about that over the years. And I don't want to get into that here. Obviously, the Church of England has got a particular way we do things. Uh, but um, 
I think that the point is really just that Titus was to appoint people that he was Paul's representative and this is what they were supposed to look look like. So I don't really want to go go beyond that for for the time being. And so what were these elders supposed to look like? An elder, he says, must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. So he's saying an elder um, is someone who looks after God's household. Now, this is one of the things actually which um, you might find um, surprising is that in the, you know, the, the Bible often calls the church God's household. So, you know, that whereas we have our own families, you know, the church is God's household and, and an elder is supposed to play the kind of role in a, um, in a household in the church in the in the way that someone a father would be in a normal household you know to kind of um, to lead and to to set the tone to teach um, you know that children to kind of be um, obedient and so on you know so an elder is kind of meant to have that fatherly kind of role in God's uh, God's household and so what Paul says is if the church is God's household then you know, if a man can't manage his own household well, then he's not going to do very well in God's household. So this is the thing that actually leading in the family and leading in the church are are interlinked. You know that the two things go together. And so someone who is fit to be an elder is someone who uh, should be good at uh, leading their own household, leading their own family. And that's what Paul says. And uh, so what does this um, what does this the character the sort of the qualities uh, look like what are the particular qualities so Paul gives some which are positive and some which are negative so in verse 7 he gives the positive qualities he said since an overseer manages God's household you see managing God's household that's the um, what I was saying he must be blameless uh, not overbearing quick-tempered drunken violent or pursuing dishonest gain and when he says blameless it doesn't mean having no sin whatsoever because then no one could be an elder you know that that's not what Paul means I think what he means rather is is blameless in the eyes of of society you know someone who is who doesn't have any serious uh, issues which would disqualify them from being an elder which I think is a bit different to to being kind of sinless uh, does, and, and, and this is uh, helpful to remember I think that there are some sins which would disqualify uh, someone from being an elder and and actually that Paul gives uh, some examples uh, these are I think characteristic of of bad leadership um, in overbearing quick tempered and given to drunken drunkenness violence and pursuing dishonest gain now, all of these things I have I've seen many of these things in bad leaders and these these qualities actually put uh, put leaders, you know, um, don't actually help those who they are leading. You know, it actually destroys them rather than helping. You know, these things are actually uh, taking advantage rather than you know, kind of for selfish gain rather than helping those who are um, in their in their charge. And so a leader mustn't be like that. You know that in God's household, uh, the the elder, the pastor, whoever, uh, is is responsible 
for teaching and for bringing up people in godliness and holiness and they can't do that if they're pursuing dishonest gain rather it says verse 8 there's a, the, the positive qualities hospitable loves what is good self-controlled upright holy and disciplined and that word hospitable you think actually I think we don't really get the force of that today because you know you think about what it was like in those days when they didn't have church buildings you know that you either were hospitable or you didn't meet you know that you had to have the church in your home in order for there to be a church at all so you know it was vital for a church leader to be hospitable and I think this is why Paul uh, Paul focuses on that to to begin with um, so basically what Paul's saying is that a church elder a pastor must be someone who bears the fruit of the spirit who must bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit and we were thinking uh, last last time we looked at Titus about how it was the gospel which leads to godliness and not just knowledge but it led to godliness and that's what we you know that's what Paul goes on to say here that a pastor an elder is someone who uh, that you know, doesn't just know things about God but actually knows God and that is bearing fruit in their in their lives and this is what it says just uh, uh, in verse 9 you know he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so he must hold firmly to that message and it's not just right living though it is about right living uh, not just about right um, understanding but about right living as well so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it so he's got two purposes the first purpose is to encourage others and the, the second purpose is to refute people who oppose it and that's something that we'll actually look at next week so so as we we think about these things let's draw a few few threads together um, an elder or a pastor or a church leader, someone who teaches the Bible, someone who needs to have not just a right understanding of doctrine, but also lives rightly. And that's what the book of Titus really is, um, is all about. It's saying that the gospel is not just something which needs to be known, but something that needs to be lived as well. And a pastor who knows the right stuff, but who doesn't live the right way is going to be pretty useless so Paul says we need uh, pastors and teachers who have who have integrity and we're back to that word again you know who have integrity who both know rightly and live rightly and who practice what they preach that's really important uh, and the purpose as uh, as I said the purpose is to uh, to encourage and teach um, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So being a leader in the, in the church is not just, about, uh, not just about teaching right things, but living right way so that people will see. And as Hebrews says, to, you know, to encourage people to imitate their, their faith. Um, now this is um, something which I find hugely challenging of course because I find it as someone who is in a kind of pastoral role in the church I think it's 
a little bit scary to say, you know, well, God is saying to, to me, well, people might want to imitate your faith. Um, but that is that is the case, that what it's saying is church leaders should be people who are genuine Christians, you know, not people who are perfect, but rather people who know their own sinfulness and their own need for God's forgiveness and for his grace. And that is the kind of faith which needs to be imitated by the whole church. So a church leader should be a living, breathing example of what a Christian uh, should be, you know, knowing, knowing their own limitations, but knowing their need for and dependence on, on the grace of God. So that's the first purpose. The second purpose is, is refuting those who oppose the gospel. And we'll look at that more in the, the passage that we're going to look at next week. So what can we take from this? What sort of practical lessons can we take from this? as we you know just for things for us to think about i think the first thing is to pray for our leaders and that's why i wanted to pray a few moments ago for church leaders across the country there are very many snares in church leadership and i'm sure that you can think of examples and i can certainly think of examples even um, of people who have you know um, either been known to me or you know friends of friends who have fallen in immoral ways or in other ways, you know, fallen foul of the temptation to, um, you know, misuse the position, uh, or perhaps people who are fallen away from from preaching the true gospel. Sadly, it's there's so much pressure uh, that it's very easily done, and I don't know whether this is the kind of thing which happens in every age. I'm sure it happens in every age, but I think at the moment, you know, that because society is so far different to to what God says, I think there's a huge pressure at the moment to conform and to just go with the, go with what the world says. And so, you know, please do pray for for those who lead in the church, and not just in our church, but also more widely. And this is something which I've been challenged about. You know, I don't think I pray enough um, for for church leaders. Um, you know, um, in a, in a general sense. Uh, let alone in a kind of the specific sense. So do be praying for those you know in church leadership, in our church and in our neighbouring churches and across our land as well. The second thing is for us to be people of integrity. You know, there's a, this is a message which is not just for church leaders, but is for everyone, uh, which is that, you know, we do need to be people of integrity. Like I said, the gospel should make a difference in our lives, not just in knowing right things but in living the right ways are we people who who don't just know things but who who live in god's ways as well live uh, loving god and loving our neighbor you know and people do notice and people do watch and this is this is the thing that i just wanted to finish with really that integrity is something that does come across i think people will trust some of them of integrity even if they disagree with them you know but you can tell someone who has integrity i think and people notice that kind of thing so if we're people who say on the one hand oh, i believe in god i trust in him i pray to him and on the other hand we're absolutely terrified of of the coronavirus we're terrified of you know what might happen and you know we sort of cower in fear then I think people might justly say, well, do you not trust God? And, you know, I think we have to, on the one hand, be, you know, we need to be wise. And you know, we don't, you know, I'm not saying that um, we shouldn't be 
uh, be worried about things, but, but rather we should you know, take our worries to God and people should be able to see uh, that we deal with our worries by taking them to God. So it's that sort of integrity, you know, being able to practice what we preach. That's something which should be every Christian. I think pastors have a particular responsibility for it um, because, uh, because of their sort of public nature. But every Christian should aspire to that kind of ideal of, of being someone of integrity, of walking with God, not just knowing the right things, but doing the right things as well. So let's, uh, let's take this to God in prayer now and ask him to help us, uh, to help both of our, uh, our church leaders, um, but also for, um, for you know, just everyone, every Christian, to be someone of integrity. Let's ask for God's help now. And so Heavenly Father, we do pray for our church leaders, both in our parish, in our town and across our land, that you would help uh, help them to be people who live rightly as well as uh, believe rightly. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us as Christians to be those who, who do have integrity, who practice what we preach, that the world may see, uh, may see you working in us and that the world might believe. Please help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>